Hi, everyone. Um, I'm going to be bringing the Bible reading for us tonight. Um, we have two tonight, one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. Um, the first one we will be reading is from Psalm 119, verse 9 to 16. Um, and that can be found on page 610 of the Church Bibles. <clears throat> How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in 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 your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And the second reading we have is from 2 Timothy, um, chapter 3, verse 14 to 17. And that can be found on page 1199. <clears throat> but as for you, continue in what you have learned and have come, become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it. And... And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I'd now like to invite Lauren up to speak to us tonight and I'll just quickly pray for her before she does. Um, Father, I thank you for this time that you've given us um, and I also thank you for revealing yourself to us through your scripture and your word. Uh, Lord, give Lauren wisdom tonight as she uh, communicates her message to us um, and yeah, just bless all of us with understanding so that we can listen and learn and respond to your word. Amen. Thanks, Kim. Good evening, everyone. Good to be here. Uh, So tonight we are continuing our series uh, exploring themes of spiritual formation. Uh, We've been looking at how we can grow and deepen and just better understand our relationship with God uh, so that we can be better equipped to live out our faith as kingdom people, uh, particularly as we step into the unknown future of our changing world. Uh, Now, last week, uh, John uh, preached for us on prayer, uh, the heart intimacy that we have in relationship with the Father. And tonight, we are looking at another foundational spiritual discipline, which is reading the Bible. Now, this could be a whole other sermon series in itself. Uh, When people were asking me what my next preaching topic was, I was sort of joking, oh, yeah, I'm just preaching on the Bible. Yeah, just the whole Bible. Yeah, it's totally manageable, not at all daunting. Um, Now, like it is more specific than that, like we're focusing on the spiritual discipline of Bible reading. Even so, that's still quite vast, Um, and not only because of the sheer magnitude and richness and complexity of the scriptures themselves, uh, but also because of the plurality of individual experiences with the Bible across all those who are hearing this message today. There's going to be those who are newer to faith and then those who are more well-established in their faith. There's going to be those with a lower biblical literacy. There's going to be those who know the Bible inside and out. Uh, There's going to be those who just delight in the daily rhythms of reading the Word. 
There's going to be those for whom this discipline is a struggle. And then there's going to be those who just kind of fall somewhere in the middle on any of all of those spectrums. I mean, there is a full range of experiences that I'm going to be speaking into today. So let me say up front, in light of all this, uh, it is obviously impossible for this sermon to be totally comprehensive, uh, though I sincerely hope it is still helpful for you. I also wanted to say, and I said this this morning, I am not up here today asserting myself to be the most qualified or the most experienced in reading the Bible. It is far from. Uh, I am here as a fellow pilgrim on the road, and I come with my own experiences, my own struggles, my own baggage with this particular discipline. Uh, But by God's grace, I simply want to share with you tonight, firstly, some thoughts on why reading the Bible is so fundamentally important as followers of Jesus. I want to highlight some common pitfalls to avoid when it comes to approaching our reading of the Scripture. And then I'm going to finish with just some practical suggestions on how to embrace and grow in this discipline. So let's dive right in with the why. Now, I'm sure for some people this might seem like an obvious answer, but why is reading the Bible so important? Well, two weeks ago, when we did our introduction to spiritual formation, we looked at Mulholland's definition, you know, the process of being formed in the image of Christ for the sake of others. When we think about this process of being formed in Christ-likeness, I mean, what better to help form us and feed us and shape us than the very Word of God? And this is the very charge that Paul gives Timothy in that reading from 2 Timothy that we just heard. And he said, all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. And it's a similar sentiment from the psalm reading as well. How does a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. If we want to grow in our spiritual formation, if we want to partner with God's work within us, transforming us into Christ-likeness, and if we're seeking to be faithful disciples, to, to live as God has called us to, as his kingdom people, then we have to be rooted in God's word. I mean, it is his revealed truth. It shows us the character and the heart of God. You know, it shows us how to know him, how to relate to him, how to understand, how to walk in his ways and how to live out our created purpose. One of my favorite prayers in all of scripture is Paul's prayer for the church in Ephesus, uh, where he prays that they may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that they may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. When we talk about being formed in Christ-likeness, being filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, this cannot happen without knowing God, knowing his love. You see, to know is to love is to follow. To truly know God it naturally overflows into loving God. And truly loving God, it overflows into a life dedicated to following Him. To know is to love, is to follow. We need to know Him. And for that, we cannot go past the Bible. It is God's incredible revelation of Himself and His purposes. 
So what happens if we don't read the Bible? I ask this question because sometimes it's easier to understand why something is important when we examine its absence. When we talked two weeks ago about spiritual formation, we looked at how we are always being formed by something. You know, it's not a question of, am I being spiritually formed, but rather who or what is forming me? And if we are not prioritizing the Word of God and allowing that to form us and equip us in righteousness, something else will speak into that void. I mean, there is no shortage of other voices in our, in our world, our culture, trying to tell us what's important or how we should live. We have to be so careful and so proactive uh, to guard our hearts with the real truth, to listen to the one who made us and formed us, the one who loves us, the one who has the singular, ultimate, trusted authority on the best way for us to live, that we might flourish and take hold of the life that is truly life. God alone has the words of eternal life. So it's as the psalmist writes, we should meditate on his word. We should delight in it and not neglect it. This is how we stay on the right path. In the passage we heard from 2 Timothy, Paul was actually speaking those words into a context where false doctrine was running rampant. And he could see the detrimental effect it was having on the community. You know, people being deceived by false teaching and then leading others astray in the same deception. It was wreaking havoc and causing harm and division. And this is why he speaks these strong words of exhortation to Timothy telling Timothy to continue in what he has learned, knowing that it is scripture that will make him wise for salvation. And we have to heed that same message. We have to ground ourselves in the truth of the word of God. You know, I was reflecting this week about my toddler and her love of picture books. Uh, she loves her books and story time is kind of a big deal in our house. Uh, It's usually three or four stories before every nap, uh, every bedtime. There was a long period of time where she wouldn't actually let us get her out of the cot in the morning until we had brought her at least three different books for us to read to her first. All throughout the day, she's pulling books off the shelf, asking us to read them to her, often, you know, the same book multiple times in a row. Now, we do have quite a lot of picture books in our house, uh, but even so... Just the sheer volume and frequency of the story time. Uh, my husband and I have read each of these books so many times. So many times. I'm sure other parents in the room can relate. And I am not exaggerating uh, when I say that I now have the majority of her books entirely memorized through that repetition. Turns out this is actually quite useful. Uh, I found that when we're stuck in the car, she's getting like super grisly. I have been able to placate her by just reciting from memory while I'm driving some of her favorite books, like I'm just her personalized audiobook. You know, so we're stuck in traffic. I'm there behind the wheel going, Can you imagine just for one day you're a busy bird? Yes, a bird. Hooray! Uh, That's a busy day for birds by Lucy Cousins. Fantastic book. Definitely check it out. But I found these words are so ingrained in me that I could just pull them out at the drop of a hat. And you know what this made me think of? Jesus, in the wilderness, when he's being tested by the enemy, 
You can read the account in Matthew 4. You know, for every test and temptation that came his way, Jesus just shuts it down immediately by drawing from and quoting Scripture. Words that were so deeply ingrained in him that he could just call upon them at a moment's notice. So even though the enemy tried to distort and pull him in another direction, Jesus was so firmly grounded in the truth of the word of God that he was not shaken. He knew exactly how to respond. Friends, the same will be true for us. There's always going to be other things in this world trying to form us, shape us, distort us. Other voices whispering into our lives, competing for our attention, subtly trying to lead us astray. But the more immersed, the more grounded we are in the Bible, the more that is just going to dial up the volume on God's life-giving truth. It helps us to recognize and know his voice, and it equips us to follow the one who is the way and the truth and the life. Now, at this point, I want to acknowledge there's probably a number of people out there thinking, well, yes, I already know that reading the Bible is good and important and that I should do it, but I still find it hard to actually do it and keep it up. And look, I get that. And at times, I myself have lived that. Uh, It's the reality. Sometimes it can be a challenging discipline to engage with consistently. Now, there's not necessarily one correct way to approach reading the Scriptures, But I do think there's a number of, so we say, less helpful ways uh, to go about it. So what I want to do tonight is highlight three uh, common pitfalls to be wary of when we approach reading the Bible. The first is what I'm going to call the consumer approach, uh, which I think is a product both of our instant gratification culture and our productivity culture. I already spoke a little about the cultural wiring of instant gratification a couple of weeks ago. I think it's a concept we're all pretty familiar with. Uh, But related to that is what I'm calling productivity culture. We are in a culture that places such a high value on productivity, by which I mean we are very outcome-focused. You know, what did that achieve? How is it hitting those KPIs? Where is the quantifiable data that's proving the worth of my input? You know, we like to see results. The faster, the better, the clearer, the better. And all of this can sort of mold us into a framework where we open our Bibles with an attitude of, well, what's in it for me right now? You know, one of the most common complaints I hear from people who struggle with this discipline is, I tried, but I just didn't really get anything out of it. And I think, at least in part, that can come from a bit of this consumer mindset. You know, reading the Bible to gain an immediate experience, to receive a profound new epiphany, to see an immediate result in our lives. Now, I'm not saying that can't happen or that it shouldn't happen. Uh, God's Word is living and active and it speaks to us in dynamic and life-changing ways, absolutely. What I'm cautioning against is when the pursuit of that immediate experience becomes our primary motivation. I spoke last time about how it's not the spiritual disciplines themselves that change us. Instead, it's about positioning us in a way that then allows us to be open to the work of God in us. So when we approach the daily discipline of reading the Bible, it is worth asking ourselves, am I here to consume a spiritual experience 
Or am I here to open my heart to the work of God in me? Also recognizing that said work may be slow and it might be taking place in unseen places. It's a posture of humility and patience. It's a posture of faith and obedience. The second pitfall we can encounter, which is related to the first, it's what I'm calling the individualist approach, which again is very much a product of our me-focused culture. Uh, We live in a world that constantly preaches at us saying, you are the most important person. It is all about you. Look out for number one. And this can kind of seep into our reading of the Bible, uh, where we start to think that the main character of the Bible is us. Uh, We try to insert ourselves into every passage, every verse. We almost start flicking through Scripture as though it were a daily horoscope. You know, how does this passage directly apply to my unique personal circumstances today? And again, to clarify, I'm not saying that God doesn't speak to us personally through His Word. He absolutely does, and I can testify to that in my own life. And it is important to meditate on Scripture to consider how God might be calling us to apply it in our own lives. What I'm talking about here is being cautious of the overall mindset that we are bringing into our regular rhythms of reading the Bible. It reminded me of this observation made by Dallas Willard in this fantastic book he wrote, Hearing God. And he warns against this undercurrent of individualistic motivation. He writes... I fear that many people seek to hear God solely as a device for obtaining their own safety, comfort, and sense of being righteous. My extreme preoccupation with knowing God's will for me may only indicate, contrary to what is often thought, that I am over-concerned with myself, not a Christ-like interest in the well-being of others or in the glory of God." You know, I think when we are already just so deeply marinated in an individualistic and self-centered culture, we need to be really mindful of this point, especially when we sit with the scriptures. And we need to remember that the main character of the Bible, it's God. Uh, it's God revealing himself and his purposes. Now, do we understand ourselves better in the light of God's truth of himself and his purposes? Absolutely. But when we're reading the Bible, I think we have to be careful about not coming in with that individualistic lens, you know, where we cherry pick some of God's words and conform them to our own individual agenda. You know, we want to humbly seek to align our heart with His, to greater know and understand His will for us for the sake of others and for the glory of God. The third pitfall I wanted to highlight is what I'm calling the mastery approach. Uh, When we approach reading scripture to have mastery over it, with a view to possess and acquire all the information and knowledge and understanding to the point where we start seeing ourselves as over the Bible rather than sitting under it with a humility to listen from God. Now, I heard... Andrew Reid, a Bible college lecturer, actually warning theology students about this notion. Because, you know, when you start learning your methods of exegesis and biblical interpretation, 
you can run the risk of treating scripture just like this academic exercise, where as long as I tick these boxes and figure out all these things, then I will have full understanding and just gain complete mastery over the text. You know, it's almost a, a complacency that comes with a perception of over-familiarity, thinking that we know it all already. Oh, I've read that passage before heaps of times. Yeah, I know what it's about. It's fine. You know, we assume that we have a mastery over it, but then end up leaving little space for God to actually speak to us. It's like the verse I mentioned before from Hebrews 4, the Word of God is alive and active. You know, we can think we have it all squared away according to our own knowledge and insight, but we can really, really miss out. Reminds me of Paul's caution in 1 Corinthians 8 when he said, knowledge puffs up while love builds up. You know, it's a wonderful and precious thing to grow in our knowledge and our understanding of God, but the goal is not to puff ourselves up with the acquisition of information. It's to be built up in love. You know, it's like what I talked about before from Ephesians 3, to know the love of Christ, the love that surpasses all knowledge and fills us to the measure of all the fullness of God. Again, it's, it's that posture of humility. It's laying ourselves down before God and being present and available to what he wants to speak and work in us. All right, having covered a few of the pitfalls, that's a lot of what not to do. So what do we do? Uh, how can we embrace and grow in the discipline of reading the Bible? Well, the first important thing to remember is the foundation of grace. Uh, as we persevere and make effort in engaging with this discipline, we have to remember that foundation of God's grace. We are saved by grace, through faith, not by our own works, not by our own righteousness, not by our own strict adherence to a daily Bible reading plan. I think it can be so easy for Bible reading to be that gateway into legalism, where we start beating ourselves up for not reading enough, and then it just becomes this unproductive shame spiral. No. We have to remember God's abundant grace and love for us as his beloved children, that we are already worthy and precious in his sight. And this is why we then make every effort in our spiritual lives, not so that God will accept us, but because he already does. So with that in mind, here's just a few practical suggestions and strategies to put out there. Firstly, going back to our reading from Psalm 119, we see this language, you know, I will meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. And reading the Bible is more than just going through the motions and ticking the box. Oh, yep, read that, moving on. You know, to really meditate on, to, to sit with the text. This helps us to truly open our hearts to God, to be present and available to what he has for us. Now, some of you may already be familiar with Lectio Divina. Uh, it's a traditional monastic practice of scripture reading and meditation and prayer. Uh, if you're someone who needs a bit of structure and guidance on how to approach Bible reading, uh, this can provide a really helpful framework to get started. Um, maybe the next slide or two. I've got the four steps of the Lectio Divina. It's basically just a rhythm of reading the passage, reflecting on the passage, talking to God about it, and then listening to God. Um, again, fairly simple, but a great framework that can provide that guidance and structure if you need it. 
Uh, you might also be thinking, well, what do I read? How do I choose? And yes, I grant you, the Bible's pretty big. Uh, can be overwhelming. And this is where leaning on the resources of others can be really helpful. I mean, there's all sorts of Bible reading plans available, you know, various iterations of read the Bible in a year with allocated passages for each day. There's daily devotion apps or books. I'm currently using the Lectio 365 app, which is quite good. Uh, there's no shortage of options, uh, which I realize for some people is actually part of the problem, uh, being overwhelmed by choice. This is where, again, I just want to gently caution against that consumer mentality. You know, endlessly shopping around, trying to find the exact right Bible reading plan that's going to work for you. I think when you are giving up on plan after plan after plan after plan because it's not working for you, might I humbly suggest it is possible the issue might not be with the plans themselves. It might be more about that overall mindset and approach that you're bringing into your reading of the Bible. And that's going back to those pitfalls we explored earlier. At any rate, if all else fails, I say, if in doubt, read the Gospels. Uh, Pick one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke or John, slowly make your way through it. The the life and ministry of Jesus is always going to be a great place to start. I also wanted to add, uh, for those who are perhaps newer to faith or just keen to develop overall biblical literacy, you know, understanding how to read the Bible, how it all fits together, can I just give a shout out to two fantastic and free resources? Uh, One is the Bible Project. Uh, Among other things, they have these fantastic overview videos for each book of the Bible. Just helps give you a sense of the key characters, events, the big picture narrative, how it all fits in the greater story of God's people. Confession, I would actually use these videos to help me revise before my exams at Bible College. Uh, They're just such a good little refresher on what each book is about and how it fits together. Uh, And they're the sort of thing that can just be really handy uh, when you are reading a book of the Bible for the first time, or even just reading one that is less familiar to you. I think having that bigger picture context can really help give you a deeper understanding of what it is you're actually reading. Speaking of big picture context, if you want to go even deeper, I would also highly recommend the Bible Overview which is a theology subject within the Ridley Certificate, which they actually offer for free as its own online resource. I think a bunch of our young adults actually did this back in the 2020 lockdown. It's fantastic. So basically over six online modules, you dive into the big picture narrative of the Bible, getting a sense of that big story from creation through to revelation. Again, super helpful in giving you that deeper understanding of what it is you're actually reading when you sit down with the scriptures. All right, just a couple of other quick practical thoughts to share. Firstly, for those who struggle to sit down and read the Bible in book form, and I know you are out there, if you haven't already, try the audiobook. Uh, I mean, the Bible was originally formed out of oral tradition, so you could argue it's the most authentic way of engaging with the Scriptures. Uh, And even if you don't mind reading, I still recommend trying it. I think it can be really great sometimes just to listen to the words spoken to you rather than always just reading it yourself off the page. The second thing I wanted to recommend tonight is make an effort to intentionally memorize Scripture. And Laura mentioned that this is something their small group is doing at the moment, which is great. I think it's something that we can tend to do as kids in Sunday school. We have our memory verses, we have our Colin Buchanan songs, but then it sort of becomes a bit of a lost art after that. 
can be a really, really valuable discipline. Again, back to those themes of ingraining truth, immersing ourselves in the word. I've had a couple of goes of it myself uh, over the years. I tried memorizing a few of my favorite Psalms. I once somewhat ambitiously tried to memorize the entirety of Philippians. Uh, I don't think I got past chapter one, but maybe should go back to it one day. Uh, But among other things, I have found having scripture memorized can really feed into your prayer life. Uh, Because there are times when, you know, you might not be able to find the words of your own to pray, but there are so many beautiful prayers in Scripture and so much rich language about the character and the promises of God. You know, to have some of these, you know, just some of these verses, these phrases, these prayers, these truths at your fingertips, I mean, it can be really encouraging. And not just for yourself, but a great way to encourage and bless others when you have the opportunity to pray for them. So I commend that to you. There is so much more that could be said on this topic, uh, but I wanted to finish by making this one final point. I want to highlight again the phrase I used earlier, make every effort, uh, which was a bit of a throwback to the words from Second Peter that we looked at last fortnight. Because the thing is, a regular rhythm of reading your Bible will require effort. Uh, There's a reason the spiritual disciplines are called spiritual disciplines. They require, say it with me now, discipline. (laughs) They require discipline, self-control, patience, perseverance. It's not always going to be easy. Uh, You're not always going to feel like it. Sometimes it's going to feel very slow, even frustrating, there's going to be times when it's uncomfortable and confronting. You remember again that language from 2 Timothy, how scripture rebukes us, corrects us, trains us. It's not always going to feel all that pleasant at the time. It's going back to what we talked about before, that posture of humility, of obedience, of faith. It's ultimately trusting in the goodness and the fruitfulness of God's word to form us in the truly life-giving ways. Because the thing is, if we don't read our Bibles all that much, it's not that God loves us any less, because that's not possible. But we will be missing out on something, because it is in Him alone that we find the fullness of life. He calls us to remain in him and for his words to remain in us because that is where we will be at our true best. That is where we will bear fruit. That is where we will truly flourish. It's like the beautiful imagery in the very first psalm. It says, blessed is the one who delights in the law of the Lord, the one who meditates on it day and night for that person is like a tree planted by streams of water, yielding fruit and not withering. So let's heed these words, church. Let us delight in his word and let's plant ourselves by his streams of living water. Let me pray to close. Father God, we thank you for the gift of your word, for the many ways you have revealed yourself to us through the scriptures. 
and for the ways you continue to speak to us through these precious words. Thank you.